Hello ladies and gentlemen this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishandal show I am on a mission to spread mindfulness awareness I cannot do this alone and I need your support My job on this show is to extract information on mindfulness personal development spirituality and basically everything that improves the quality of our life and my today's guest is Lisbeth Taylor After 10 years of working in international business development in the oil and gas industry she experienced firsthand the toll and pressure that her work placed on her body and mind she loved her job but she was running herself down even taking over 150 trips in as little as 2 years like so many others she was burnt out after discovering and incorporating a regular yoga practice into her routine in 2014 she immediately noticed the transformative effects that a mindfulness practice had on increasing productivity strategic thinking sales connections and overall general well-being now having obtained over 1200 hours of training and teaching experience in embodied leadership focus on yoga and mindfulness and currently obtaining a master degree in positive leadership strategy and transformative from IE University she is bringing these practices to our corporate leaders to share accessible tools for changing how we connect and lead in the workplace she has dedicated her new career path to enhancing workplace well-being through mindful leadership using easy to integrate tools to make mindfulness fun By practicing presence and exuberant fun in everything she does, she inspires, educates, and empowers others to transform their energy. She believes everyone is a leader in their own life. This is why she is also extremely passionate about bringing the healing and empowering tools of mindfulness to survivors of human trafficking. Part of her business will always be to support communities and create impact social change. So let's begin this episode. Lisbeth, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good evening here in Houston. So I'm I'm doing really nice. The weather is actually finally cooling off. We've had a hot a hot February. So now it's actually cooling off again. Nice. <laughs> yeah, first of all I want to thank you for accepting my opportunity. to be on this show and i really appreciate that i i believe and i strongly feel that this conversation with you will bring social positive impact into the community and we can bring mindfulness awareness into the society i love that thank you for having me here great so i was doing some research on your profile and it is so big that i had to take <laughs> a lot of time to really understand what you have done and what you are doing it's commendable okay so Yay. i would like to talk about your oil and gas industry experience and i think you worked in that industry for about 10 years so can you please yeah. elaborate on that experience of yours sure um You know, I officially worked in oil and gas for almost 10 years, but it was actually I actually grew up in oil and gas industry. So, 
Um, I had a hard hat by the time I was like three years old (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of all I ever knew that I wanted to do and was going to do. And so, um, when I was in college, I kind of, uh, after college, actually, I kind of knew that that was the direction I wanted to take. And so I entered in and I started out my job, um, selling jet fuel to private and corporate planes, actually. Um, and so I started out on the phones cause I, my clients were pilots and, uh, it was one of the, like, one of the best learning experiences ever. Like if you've never cold called before or done any type of sales huh? work like that, like it's, uh, it's, it's very, um, it makes you very vulnerable, very fast. <laughs> hmm. So I started in that and then over the years transitioned and then spent eight, almost eight years with a company where I was um, divesting capital assets, which is a fancy way of saying selling off uh, Mm -hmm. things that people don't want. So So I was selling off excess inventory for like big companies like Shell and Chevron and ConocoPhillips and all those guys and uh, just any of the excess inventory. I went around the world um, traveling and um, interesting helping people get rid of yeah things they didn't need anymore (laughs) (laughs) so where did you go to college Uh, i went to florida state university so yeah i went down to tallahassee florida (laughs) and you were you were in this industry for about 10 years right yeah yeah i graduated florida state and then came back to houston i guess a little shy of 10 years but yeah somewhere around there are you from houston originally Um, So I'm actually from all over the place. So we moved to Houston when I was in sixth grade. um, But I said, I mentioned I'm like, I had a hard hat by three. My dad was in oil and gas. So um, I grew up in California and Texas. And then I actually spent all of high school in boarding school in Malaysia. So (laughs) yeah, so we kind of and then my family actually still lives in Hong Kong. So we're still kind of all over the place. Your family lives in Hong Kong. Yeah, my parents live in Hong Kong. Yeah. Are you from China originally? No, I'm not. I'm from the U.S. I'm American, and uh, we just—I'm uh, kind of global citizen at this point. I've—I uh, got That's the travel awesome. bug early. Yeah, I got the travel bug when I was a kid, and never stopped. <laughs> You're a citizen of this world. Exactly, citizen of the world. Yep. So when I was going through your profile on LinkedIn and on your website, I found that you had specifically mentioned that you were not feeling fulfilled in that industry for a long time because you were constantly traveling all the time and you were burned yeah. out. So mm-hmm. what what was your definition of success at that point of time? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um So I kind of judged my version of success on what I had grown up seeing in oil and gas. And really the image that I had seen as success was these constant, you know, like 24 hour days, traveling all the time, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and for lack of a better term, like playing by the, playing by the structured rules of corporate America. And um, that's what I had seen as success. That's what had brought my family comfort, That's what had everybody around me, what I had seen as success. 
And, um, you know, the higher you up you are in an organization, obviously, the more successful you are. And so that's really what I started to base my view on. Like, if you had asked me at 13 years old what I wanted to be when I grow up, I would have told you a CEO. (laughs) I was the same thing. Yeah. Like, other little girls are like, you know, I want to be, you know, a princess or whatever. I guess maybe not at 13. You don't want to be a princess anymore. But would have, you know, all these other things, a teacher or whatever. And um, you know, for a while, like, I guess I like toyed with the idea of teacher and then, but really at the end of the day, what I wanted, if you'd asked me, it was, I want to be a CEO. And, um, that was kind of my version of getting there, of making it. Interesting. Yeah. And how were you not feeling fulfilled in that career? Oh, and it was yeah. paying you handsome salary. It was, Everything Absolutely. was there with you. And how were you not fulfilled? Because I'm interested to know about this because a lot of people in this world and corporate America or in corporate, any corporate sector, people are making a lot of money. They, but still, they are not feeling fulfilled. Something is totally. lacking inside of themselves. So what was it with you at that point of time? Yeah. So at the time when I um, really kind of hit the goals that I had for myself in the corporate world. So I had, um, I had opened up an office in Singapore and then, um, I, uh, I kind of, I knew I was getting burnout when I lived in Singapore, when I'd opened the office there. Um, I took 150 trips in two years, um, for work. And I think what's really interesting to say here is that actually I loved my job. (laughs) I really loved my job. I think a lot of people assume that when you leave, like it's because you hated your job or you hated your bosses or anything like that. And actually it wasn't the case at all. Like I loved my job. I loved my boss. I had a couple of them that were just amazing um, mentors and super supportive. And actually like when I would push myself to work like this, they would be surprised when I would do this. So like, they'd be like, why are you not asleep? I'm taking calls at like two o'clock in the morning in Singapore time and you know, three o'clock in the morning. And they're like, go to bed. And you were in, <laughs> and you were in the U S at the time. No, I was in Singapore. They were in the U S. Okay. And, um, so I had opened up an office for our company in Singapore and, um, I knew I was getting burnt out. And the truth of the matter was, is I was burning myself out because that was my version of success. That's what I'd seen growing up was taking conference calls at 2 a.m. That means that you're doing something good. You're contributing. You're, you're, you know, you're giving it your all. You're giving your best. And um, so and, I hit, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> not to interrupt you. I want to know no. what were your goals at that time? Because you mentioned that you were trying to hit all the goals. What were your goals at that time? Yeah. So my goals, like I really wanted to be an expat working overseas, uh, in oil and gas. I wanted to kind of head up my own. Um, I, I, I was kind of what you call like an entrepreneur. So I got to do really cool new things, but for existing, um, services and products in the company. So I got to really manage some of our accounts and expand some stuff overseas and, um, and kind of do that on my own. So I'd really achieved my goal of being overseas again, like I did when I grew up and, um, and kind of being able to set in conjunction with the company, what, what those Mm -hmm. things were going to look like. Um, and yeah. And so burnout for me came initially in Singapore, but then I kind of pushed it to the side for a little bit. 
and started up one of our offices in Dubai. And I think, again, kept pushing it to the side, thinking I wasn't burnt out. And then over time, it just became really, really clear that that it, you can't just shove that stuff to the side. <laughs> Interesting. How did you, how did you really realize that? How did you realize that you are burnt yeah. out? Yeah. Um, I would say I was really disconnected from my body and from um, my... I like my emotions. So I was really, I didn't really feel in control of my reactions to things anymore. Um, one I was coming off of, so after Singapore, I actually got divorced. So I, um, obviously my ex-husband and I had become really disconnected. Um, Mm -hmm. a few years before that, my thyroid had completely shut down. Um, and I actually had to have a thyroid removal and, um, they told me that there had actually been, cancer on part of it. So I, um, luckily they caught it so, so early that I just had to take a, um, like an, if it, anybody who's familiar with it, it's called an I-131 pill, but, mm. um, but you know, so therefore my body was like actually like deteriorating. I had gained a significant amount of weight due to that. And, um, and my marriage kind of crumbled. And so I went to like, restart my life in Dubai thinking, okay, I'm starting over again. Everything's fine. And what I started realizing is that all of those things that now I thought I was fixing were just coming out in different areas of my life. So I, and you were, and you were with the same company at the time. I was with the same company still. Yeah. I was with, I had really, like I said, I had really amazing supportive um, bosses and everything, but I was just running myself into the ground and, I was noticing that like my reactions with my friends, other people, it was very exaggerated. Like I was yeah. very much, um, I was very fearful of like losing certain friends or, um, you know, just very erratic, uh, emotional swings. Um, and I just, I noticed that things weren't, I wasn't as connected as I should, as I should emotionally be. Just, connected. Yeah. I wasn't emotionally yeah, because connected. Because you're, wasn't in control. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're, I think in these situations, sometimes what can happen is our mind is driving us forward, but our body yeah. is shutting down and mind is controlling our body instead body is controlling our mind. And in that case, what are you trying to prove something to anybody or, or were you trying to prove something to yourself because you were always on the go, go, go? Yeah, I think I was definitely trying to prove something to myself, but I think the most important thing too was after, you know, really experiencing all this burnout and everything that had happened, instead of actually dealing with it, I just stayed busy, which as humans, we have an action, like we have a natural tendency to do instead of actually processing and and, um, observing what we're feeling and thinking. And, um, we have a tendency to mask it with busyness and busyness becomes, and busyness becomes success. So for me, I had zero free time in my schedule. I was booked all the time. Like I didn't even have, I couldn't, I couldn't even date in Dubai because, (laughs) because like there was just (laughs) no time to fit. There was no time to fit anyone in. It was like, it was like, sorry. I was like, well, I have this one window on Thursday between 7 p.m. and and 8.30. Like that. Yeah, it's, and, it becomes, uh, <laughs> it becomes kind of a escape yeah. when we are, when we are busy it's all the 100%. time. It, there is no, yeah. there is no, 
uh, white space in our calendar. We don't have any time to think. We are trying to, maybe we are trying to escape from something because I have been in the same situation in my past. For first 29 years of my life, I'm 32. Right now, for first mm-hmm. 29 years of my life, I was running from one thing to another just to prove something to the world that I'm good enough, I'm worthy enough to do this. And I was, I was, you know, going up in that corporate America. I was going yeah. up in the, from one position to another. I was making a lot of money, but I was emotionally disconnected. And I can... I can feel that. I can understand what you're saying. It's it's so difficult to be in the same situation and a lot of people are going through the same thing and that is where we are having this conversation to create some mindfulness awareness. Totally. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I was so busy because that's what I tied up my worth in. If I'm busy, it means that I'm worthy. It means that I'm successful. It means that I've proving, I'm proving myself. Whereas if I had slowed down, and I had paused, I would have had to actually deal with the fact that like, I truly actually at that time didn't feel worthy of those things. Yes. Um, and being busy is not productive. Productivity is no. about what yeah. really matters, you know, doing things that really matters that move you forward, not just exactly. being, you know, it's not productivity is not attached to your worthiness. Oh, yeah. I was totally on the hamster wheel. Like I was running on the hamster wheel and not going anywhere. Yeah. And when did you make the transition from that job to your new venture? And when was it? Yeah. So I was actually really, really thankful for um, the way that it played out because I don't know if I would have ever left to start something new on my own. Um, And I'll be really honest about that. Mm -hmm. Like Like everybody thinks, oh, you took this amazing, gigantic leap. And it was. I don't want to downplay that. Like I did take a leap. But um, I also think that I was really supported by the universe in the fact that, like, actually the uh, oil and gas industry took a big downturn. And my company said, we want you to move back to the States and do something back in the home office here. Um, You know, we're not going to we're not going to support the Dubai office anymore. And which I completely understood. Like, there was no hard feelings there or anything like that. Like, it was like. From a management perspective, like I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, and for like, for some, like for the market some, it, is down. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and for so, for some, it can be it can be an opportunity that, oh, my job, I'm being laid off. You know, I, what what can I do? You know, I'm at loss. But you found you gave different meaning. You gave a positive meaning to the situation to do something else. Yeah, it. I mean, they wanted me to come back to the states, and at that time, I was just kind of like, you know what? If I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. Like, I was like, this is the perfect time for me to take this space when everything in the industry is actually going down. It's the, it's the safest time for me to really go and explore because everybody is exploring new things at this point or has to, there's a lot of people that are being forced into it. And I, I get to really actually choose to jump into this in a new way. And so I took that, um, that time to go, you know, what, um, what is it that I actually want to explore here? And, um, and yeah, so that was, that was kind of what launched me into it. So, whereas, yeah, it did take a lot of guts not to go back to the States and keep doing the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. it also, I was also kind of, I I was aided (laughs) in the decision (laughs) because I, I don't know, um, I don't know what would have what would have been otherwise. I'm not sure. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. So I'm curious to know. 
about your thought process in that movement? Because a lot of people may be thinking to, you know, change their careers or change their jobs, but it is not easy. There is a lot of uncertainty in that. What if I do this and if it doesn't turn out well? So what was going on in your mind, if you can put some points on that? So I think one thing is that I have had really supportive, um, I have had really supportive friends and family around it that always Mm. um, encouraged me and were like, go do whatever you think you need. Like they never made failure seem negative, if that makes sense. Like it, they, um, they've always been like, well, as long as you learn something from it, you're not failing. And Uh, how old were you at the time? Oh gosh. Uh, I was, how old was I? When was this? So it's like four years ago, 32 Ish. Okay. Thirty-two. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah. Thanks for telling me. And the reason, and the reason like, I'm 32, asking 33, is thirty-three, something around there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I'm asking is, our age should not stop us to do something else. At any age, we can do something. I'm thirty-two, and I'm doing this thing. I'm trying new things. And you started new career at the age of thirty-two, so we can start anything new at at any age. Is if our mindset is right, if you are willing to do something new and if you are willing to try new things and being courageous it's going to be it may be a failure oh, you gosh. know yes i mean i feel like i'm starting myself over again and i'm 37 now so um so i guess i was maybe 33 but yeah it was i um like i feel like i'm starting new again today like it's it, we have this amazing power as humans to continue to reinvent ourselves uh in new ways and I think that's actually the beauty of being human is that we can take the things that we learn and transform on a regular basis. Like you're not, my mom growing up um, and she'll, she tells me this all the time. Um, she says, you always have options. Like no matter what, you always have options. The options may not be exactly what you want at that time. But you always have options. Yes. So, um, and I, I've always taken that with me. And she's like, those options may not be exactly what you want, but they can be a building block to the next step. Or, yes. you know, just kind of creating. And it, I think that has really shaped how I view mindfulness now as well as this, like, ability to look strategically at all my options that are available versus feeling like I'm really pigeonholed into one narrowed decision space. Um, it, that kind of philosophy has gone hand in hand with my practice in yes. mindfulness. So, so well. Yeah. So four years ago you had, you had quit your job and then you were into mindfulness space. Can you please elaborate some more on that mindfulness new venture that you were getting into? Yeah. So actually, I don't even know if I realized it was mindfulness yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and we've talked, you and I have talked a little bit about this. I was more like actually thinking about it more at that time along the wellness side of it. So I had started teaching yoga um, okay. in Dubai before I had found yoga in between my move from Singapore to Dubai. A friend of mine in Spain had just gotten her teacher certification and I went there for a vacation and um, she was like, you got to take my class because you're visiting. And I'm like, I hate yoga. <laughs> and, and she's like, just try it. And uh, that class, it, it changed my life forever. And she actually got me in a headstand the first day. 
Um, and it was like immediately this light bulb went on and I reconnected to my body in a way that I hadn't felt in years. So I did carry that with me through a little bit in Dubai, even though I was still kind of burnt out, but, um, I had started teaching, uh, and loved it in Dubai. And I was teaching in some of the coolest places. Like I got to teach in the Burj Khalifa, mm-hmm. um, and I got to teach on beaches and, uh, in some amazing studios there. And so, uh, I actually started out going that route versus mindfulness actually came later. So, um, it was really this interesting journey of starting with the body connection for me. From yoga. Some, yeah. Some people go at it a little bit of a different way, but I think for me personally, um, you know, we're all on the journey that we're supposed to be on. And my journey happened to be that I actually connected to my body first. And then huh. the the mind practice for me uh, actually came a little bit later. Uh, this is interesting. Down the road. Because for me, I started with meditation. So for me, ah, it came from mind. Yeah. And reading a lot of books on mindfulness and spirituality. So for you, you are saying it, it came, you connected to your body first through yoga. And I'm interested to know about yeah. the benefits of yoga that you've you had felt at that time? So the type of yoga that I practice is called Baptiste yoga. It was created by a guy named Baron Baptiste. And uh, there are pillars of it where you do meditation, asana, and inquiry. Uh, So self-personal inquiry. Well, what's funny is that meditation piece for me didn't stick right away. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Can be tough. Well, yeah, for me, for somebody who was always on the go, on the go, on the go, um, I think the body practice for me resonated first because it's a very, Baptiste yoga is a very powerful physical practice. Um, and it was something that really got me into my physical practice and then got me into the personal inquiry side of asking why I do the things I do. And then it translated to why do I think the way that I think when I'm on the mat? So why, when I'm in a really challenging pose, why do I want to get out of the pose? And then why do I want that same, oh, wait, I have that same reaction when something is difficult in my life. And hmm. so that's where the mind piece started kicking in. Because I was like, oh, wait, the things that I'm saying to myself and the things that I'm experiencing on my mat, it's mm-hmm. the same exact response and reaction that I have when something is challenging in my life. And maybe if I pause and I start analyzing this and thinking on this a little bit more, I'll start to understand and be able to control it more and be able Hmm. to manage it. And then once I started, once I brought in my meditation practice and once I brought in mindfulness, my world changed. So, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. So in yoga, I think in yoga, you're basically delaying that reaction time you were you were breathing because in yoga we breathe we inhale and exhale all the time Mm -hmm. and we we can that is where we can we can switch from reaction time to the response time you know when we are reactive it means we are not thinking about that when we breathe in that tough moment Mm -hmm. we can really let go of all those feelings and resentments or any sort of negative feeling in that moment absolutely yeah and it it was It was through my mindfulness practice, though, that I was really able to um, take the practice from the mat into the real world on a whole new level. It was like I started doing it with yoga. And then as soon as I brought in mindfulness to it, that was where 
everything shifted. Yes. Yeah. I'm very everything much shifted. interested to know about your mindfulness game and fun. How then yeah. after after you have done some yoga, you were feeling good about it and then you are feeling connected to your body. Mhm. After how much time did you get into mindfulness in your in your personal space, in your personal life? It was a couple of years. So for me, it was actually a few years and a lot of teacher trainings in yoga before I actually um, really started practicing what I preach on the meditation <laughs> uh-huh. element. I'll be super honest. And I know a lot of yoga teachers are the same. Um, not everyone, but like there's a certain element that of the, we, you know, especially in Western society today, we get so into the physical practice of it um, that we, we talk about meditation and the benefits of meditation, but we like, we don't necessarily always engage them to the same level that we teach them. And so when I started really practicing what I teach it, it, you know, it was a journey. It took me a couple of years, um, before I really started incorporating that into it. So I would have like a sporadic meditation practice, you know, it was like, I know this is good for me because I do this with yoga and it's one of our pillars and I know this is great for me. So I'm going to do it here and there. Oh, we're doing 40 days program. Okay. I'll meditate in the morning and at night and I'll do it because it's Mm -hmm. part of this yoga program. But I never like did it really on its own until much later. And then that's when everything really started opening up for me. Yeah. What Um, kind of, what kind of meditation did you start with? I started with loving kindness meditation. Is it so, from Tara Brock? Um, so no, I actually started with um, I started <laughs> funny thing. I started with Insight Timer, <laughs> mm. the app on my phone, and uh, loving kindness meditation was really my um, my entry into it. So, what does it look like to be loving mindfulness, loving kindness, mind meditation? What do, what do we do in that meditation? So in that meditation, it's a lot of starting with the, the me. So you're really starting with these, um, these thoughts of care and concern really around yourself first. So, uh, a lot of times you'll hear the same kind of mantras over and over again in in loving kindness meditation. So may I be safe? May I be healthy? May I be happy? May I live with ease? So you'll hear these kind of repetitive mantras. So really centering in on myself. May I be safe? May I be healthy? May I be happy? May I live with ease? And then you extend it out to somebody else in your realm. It can be um, a human, a pet, anything, somebody else that you want to have received that as well Mm -hmm. uh, without any expectation of getting it back in return, (laughs) you know, because you're doing it in your own mind with yourself and then really saying, may you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you live with ease. Um, And then really expanding then outward even further to either your city or the world or however far you want it to be. And then it goes to, may we all be safe. May we all be healthy. May we all be happy. May we all be live with ease. So you're really extending. I like to call it the me to the we to the world. Me to the so, me to the world. Yeah. Great. So do you do you and practice? I don't, I don't know if I made uh-huh. that up. I don't know if somebody else made that up or me, but it sounds good, so I kept it. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you practice same loving kindness meditation now, or do you have other practices as well? No, I play with some other practices. So I also will do a lot of open awareness meditation. So 
I meditate a lot in public places. Hmm. Um, so a lot of times I'll do an open awareness meditation. And what I like this one for is really focusing kind of on, um, I find that this one helps a lot with like finding strategic options when you're translating it into the real world. So I'll sit in a space. So there's a place in Houston that I love to sit in a park where there's a fountain, there's people walking by, there's cars Mm -hmm. on the road. There's lots of noises actually. And I practice honing in my attention on the individual noises uh, around me and allowing myself to drop into meditation by really honing and focus on these individual. Um, And I find that it gives me a lot of clarity to everything that's going on around me that I normally would be tuning out. Yeah. So what benefits have you seen or realized or felt? in your personal life through meditation? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many. Uh, (laughs) Can you point to some? Um, Yeah. So uh, something that I I always say that people don't really talk about a lot of the time is actually getting present to um, when you use mindfulness and kind of at the beginning and you actually start to drop in and get present to your own patterns and behaviors, it can actually be almost a little bit of a scary thing. Um, because if you've never been aware of what you do and why you do it before, it can, it can sometimes be a little, a little nerve wracking at first. Yes. So when, and people don't talk about that part, you know, we talk about the benefits and and this is a great benefit, but we don't talk about like, oh, wow, that can actually be really jolting to, to observe that all of a sudden. Yeah. And I would like to share a small experience from my own life. Please. That. I don't have any shame to talk about that, but I think last month I started crying when I was meditating. Somehow mm-hmm. I, tears started flowing down and this that was an amazing moment. I think I felt something was melting inside my heart. Mm. Yeah. So we all, meditation is a very powerful tool that we can incorporate in our day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be 20 or 30 minutes of meditation. Somebody who is starting from scratch, they can practice sitting in silence for just one minute or two minutes. Starting with that. So what advice would you give to somebody in terms of meditation if they are not able to meditate and they are very new, they are beginner, they are in early stage of meditation? What advice or any recommendation do you have? them? Um, uh, my recommendation would be just to be curious with it, to not have any like, uh, expected outcome to just explore meditation with like the curiosity of like a new child, um, and just see what comes up and take a look at it as it comes and just kind of observe it and explore it. Like without, for me, when I first started doing it, Um, And my pattern, and I mentioned I had patterns come up, um, like, uh, for instance, I had a lot of patterns come up around, um, uh, around my fear of uh, how I was in reaction to friends, if I disagreed with something they said, or if I disagreed with something somebody said, I would have this fear that if I disagreed, they wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. And so Mm. I just wouldn't speak up. And through meditation, I started really being able and mindfulness, I started really being able to go, you know what, that's actually not a healthy pattern because I'm shoving down everything I want to 
say or the things that I think and the things that I feel because I see this pattern of fear here. And why do I do that? And then instead of making myself feel bad about it, I was just really able to like explore it. So for somebody that's new to mindfulness, I would say, um, as these things start to come up, don't like run away from them. Don't make them wrong or bad or good. They really, it, it, putting some sort of expectation or judgment on it doesn't do any good. It's really just kind of exploring what works for you and what doesn't work for you. In my instance, that pattern didn't serve me anymore. So yes. I was able, I was able to get rid of it, but then I was able to observe other patterns that I was like, Oh, Hey, it's really cool that I do that. So <laughs> you when know? you have, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you get into yeah. disagreements now, how do you yeah. communicate those disagreements with your friends, family, or any coworker or anybody? So, yeah, first I really try to observe my own um, body sensations first. So I can tell if my chest is tightening, my stomach is like getting butterflies, or um, I can tell when I'm re- in reaction to something versus being able to communicate from a clear place of choice. So I first assess my body, um, my body sensations, my emotions, my thoughts, and my actions from like almost a bird's eye view. And then from there, I'm able to select my choice of response. So I can then see all the options available to me. Like, all right, do I want to do I, do I want to engage in this conversation um, in a direct way? Do I want to, maybe this actually isn't something that I really care about, but my body is just reacting to, and I don't really want to engage in this. I can step away from it. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can, I can see all the different options that are available to me for communication and be in a place of choice versus reaction to it. So, so what I get choice, to just pause. What what yeah. what does that choice look like to you? I'm I mean, gosh, there's as many choices as there are conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's as many choices as there are conversations. So I mean, I think it's definitely opened up communication with my family a lot more where I can um your family is our, is probably our biggest trigger for anybody is the biggest trigger point because we immediately go to our defaults that we grew up with. So it's, it's the easiest one for us to be in reaction yeah. mode when it's with family. So um, now, so, now you have yoga, now you have meditation in your daily practices. How do you yes. navigate through burnout feelings? And it comes, it goes on and yeah. off with everybody. So how do you recognize burnout and what do you do when you are in that mode? So for me personally, I think, and again, it's potentially because I started with the body. Um, I can gauge where my body is at fairly quickly when it comes to burnout. Um, I'm probably most in tune of the things that where I can feel that I'm in response or reaction is in my body. So um, I, I know when I'm winding down, if I haven't had enough sleep or if I'm pushing myself to the limits, um, my body starts telling me my shoulders tighten up, Uh my back starts to hurt specifically on my left side. Usually, um, I can kind of start to assess and see something's not right. I'm not thinking clearly. And this is mindfulness. 
you're this mindful. This is all mindfulness. Huh? Yeah. Because you're mindful. Totally. And for me, if I'm if yeah. I'm burned out or if I'm not having enough sleep, I feel in my head. Ah, your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel I feel there that then I realize, okay, I need to sleep more. Mm-hmm. Because some, for me, if I'm not sleeping seven to eight hours every single day, good sleep of seven to eight hours, then I am burned out. I'm not happy. I'm groggy. Totally. So how many hours do you sleep usually? My <laughs> my desired amount of sleep, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. I love getting like 10 hours of sleep. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you... The likelihood that that happens is slim, but I love getting like 12 hours. Like usually I get about, I, I'm pretty diligent about getting eight hours though. That's so awesome. I you know, am pretty diligent about getting eight hours. Yeah. yeah. So seven I'm, to eight hours, you know, is yeah, good. Sure. I think in this, in this culture and society, we are, we think that we can sleep less. Yeah. We don't have to sleep more. Sleep is not for us. We can, we can do a lot of work and, shortcoming and you know short changing on sleep but if you are not yeah. sleeping if we are not totally. sleeping enough we are not productive our we are creating crappy products so yeah. we are creating well, products it, yeah i call it an investment in myself like i'm investing my time so say like 6 hours of sleep i can function on 6 hours of sleep i can function let's be honest i've learned how i can Same function me. on 2 yeah. hours of sleep if i have to but I'm not, you're not getting as good a product out of me. So yes. I invest, I'm investing eight hours of sleep into myself so that I'm actually getting optimal productivity out of myself the rest of the day. If I sleep 10 hours, holy moly, the amount of stuff I get done in a day. <laughs> did you, did you like, sleep 10 hours or eight hours yesterday night <laughs> um, for this podcast? Night, Last night I slept ten hours actually. So we last are night was a ten, <laughs> we are getting yeah, your optimal last, productivity. Yeah, last night was a last night was a ten hour night for me actually. Yeah, I was also recovering from jet lag from traveling, but <laughs> yeah, but it was a ten it was a ten hour night for me. So yeah, you're getting you're getting prime, Lizbeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, thank you for that. So I would like to touch upon this subject of. Again, on mindfulness, meditation, yoga. Yeah. And we are using these terms interchangeably. Like mindfulness, what is mindfulness? What is meditation? Can we use meditation for mindfulness? Or can we use mindfulness for meditation? What is the right term? Or Ooh, what? what is it? You know, well-being, yeah. wellness. I was going through some of your videos while I was doing research. You had You had a video about well-being wellness mindfulness they are not the same terms honestly i'm no. not sure about the exact <laughs> differences would you please elaborate on those differences if it can help Absolutely. society yeah please totally so i think this is an amazing discussion around that i think we do start to use these terms interchangeably and it gets a little confusing um but they are very specific things so and the thing is is they all actually work together yes really really well so i like to start with the like broader definition of my of wellness um wellness is really like the overall imagine that you're you're kind of taking a drones look over your entire well-being which is your physical your mental your emotional health um and say you set a routine for yourself because you know it's wellness so I eat certain foods because it's wellness. I go to the gym because it's wellness. I go, I do, 
I have this routine for myself because I know that it supports my well-being. That's mm-hmm. wellness, which is so it's this kind of broad overview look. Well, mindfulness is like taking a zoom lens in to you personally, yourself in your interactions with other people and then your interactions with the world and in support actually of your whole well-being as well. So Wellness is kind of the overall umbrella. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness takes this zoom lens into yourself. Inner so, being. Yeah, your inner being. So say I have this great, I'm a marathon uh, runner. I'm not really a marathon uh-huh. runner. I did, run a, I, did, I did run a half marathon once, but that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but say I'm a marathon runner and I train every day and um, because I know it's good for me and I, and I enjoy doing it. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, but afterwards I'm actually really sore and I'm really tired and I'm not really, I'm kind of cranky for, for, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of cranky afterwards, but I do it because it's wellness and I'm healthy. Well, mindfulness would be going, taking a zoom lens to your reactions to that, that routine and going, Oh wait, you know what? I've been doing this so long. Let me assess my body in this moment. I just ran and trained I'm still kind of cranky. My body is hurting because it's maybe not physically the same place it was when I started marathon training 10 years ago. And, um, and I'm not really actually feeling that great afterwards. Mm -hmm. So maybe this activity is not what supports my wellness right now because I'm assessing all my thoughts, my emotions, my reactions. Maybe there's something else that I can actually do under the wellness umbrella that gives me the same benefits, but that I can actually leave feeling in a whole different way mm, that supports my well Less profound. Yeah. And so it's this awareness in this moment to decide what supports you. And that's not always going to be the same thing every single day. Yes. Um, Even though that this, wellness, uh, for instance, that, that example of running. Yeah. That is, you know, we are feeling good about it. We are, I should say we are working on the wellness by running constantly every single day, mm-hmm. but we are feeling cranky sometimes and we are mindful about it because we, our response is not good to other people because we are angry. Yeah, exactly. Which no longer supports your well-being. If you run every day and you're cranky about it and you don't actually like it anymore, but you only do it because of wellness, well, then that's actually not supporting your well-being anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so do you have any other yeah. example of wellness, mindfulness, and well-being? Of wellness, mindfulness, and well-being? Yeah. Um, ooh, yeah, let's see. Um, we can go to kind of a, let's see, do you want more of a physical example? Or anything, like it can be anything. Example? Or I think I can, I can give an example yeah. from my life. Sure. So mm-hmm. yesterday, I think two days ago, I slept well. Everything was fine. And somehow yesterday morning, I was feeling something weird. I asked myself, I slept well, I ate well, I had oatmeal in the morning, breakfast, everything was fine. My wellness, if you connect to this language, my wellness Mm -hmm. was correct. Everything was fine. But some weird thought, I was comparing myself with something else. And when Mm -hmm. I started journaling on that, when I started playing with my thoughts, puzzling with my thoughts, I realized something else is going on. So I was mindful about it and I was 
applying this practice of journaling to really understand my thought process. I was aware. I was being present to that moment. And then I was able to work it through that. So my wellness was routine. I was sleeping well, but I wasn't feeling well-being. And I was mindful about it. So I changed the course of my direction. Yeah, so I really understand that now. Yeah, I actually love how you brought in the combination of the physical and the emotional because our well, like overall, everything is so connected. So whereas your physical wellness was actually perfectly taken care of by being mindful, you were actually able to pull that emotional segment out and go, okay, cool. My body sensations are awesome right now. Um, but my emotions and my thoughts are off. Yes. And let me pull, let me pull this piece out right now and see what's working. So overall my, my well being can be taken care of versus, yeah, just that physical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So So you combine the physical and the emotional really well. And coming to that point, there are a lot of people who are really physically fit. They're having six pack abs, beautiful women. They are in a nice body, slim fit. But they are not, they may not be emotionally tuned. You know, their mental well-being and emotional well-being. Being physically fit doesn't mean that you are going to be emotionally fit. Emotional, you know, emotional fitness versus physical fitness. So it's body, understanding body and emotional feelings. They are different concepts. And some people, they may not be super physically fit, but they may be very emotionally fit. Do you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, totally. I do, totally. I think that um, this is where, actually, I think they link really, really well together and they have to go hand in hand, um, yep. is, is this body-mind connection. And I don't think that you can say, like, you, it's, not, it's not an either-or. Either-or. It's, it's, it's yeah. really these things that have to start to work in tandem. And we do get imbalance out of them, though. Like, yes. we do come... We do get out of balance to them a lot of times where, like you said, sometimes my physical well-being is great and my mental well-being, is, I'm not checking, I'm not taking that into account. And yeah, it really is this dance of, of making sure that they work together yes. uh, in order to kind of give us this whole holistic view of everything. When we neglect one or the other, we're out of balance. And, and I think so mindfulness yeah. plays a big role in that balance. You know, when we are mindful 100%. about it, if my physical well-being is great, but I'm not working on my emotional and mental side, but I'm mindful, I can do something about it. I do not, or I may not have to run every single day. I can find, I can meditate, I can do yoga, I can do certain activities to make my life balanced. And it's a dance. Life is going to be imbalanced, but if we have the mindfulness, we can always come back, take a pause. And that's, that's the fun part of it. I try to explain to people. I always tell people, I'm like, this is, this is not meant to be, it is work, but it's fun. Like it's something that you actually get to play with what works for you because it's constantly changing. So it's this like fun dance for me. I actually, I really enjoy kind of going inward and going Hey, what's going on right now? Like, what what do I need to change today? What do I need to change up? Or what do I need to, you know, um, you know, what's going on? Kind of taking these continual assessments through mindfulness um, to really check in and just making it fun, like make it like a game with myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in that mindfulness, meditation, yoga, well-being, and wellness. So, when you feel 
overwhelmed and stressed now? How do you deal with that? Oh gosh, uh, lots of different ways. So for me, it depends on what, uh, again, I take an assessment and I figure out what's going on. A lot of times it's, um, it's stuck energy in my body and I need to move more. So I do a lot of driving around town and everything. So I will like need to move. And one of my favorite things to do is like throw on a song that I just love to dance to and like shake it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which song, which song is that? Um, I, oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> Taylor Swift? Yes. <laughs> I do shake it off all the way. <laughs> I love that song. Shake it off because it's like exactly what I want to have done. I want to shake it off. And then um, I will also, I'll pause and do a little bit of uh, breath meditation. Um, and one of my other favorite, I love music. So a lot of things that I do are music related. Yeah. Um, would, you, would you please uh, like to give a small demo of? Not dance. Small demo. Oh of, my gosh. Well, I don't small sing, demo so. breathing. Your breathing pattern. I'm like, oh, breathing. Okay. I was like, I don't sing. So um, one of my favorite ones is to, uh, yeah. So if you want to do it with me, you can do it with me. Sure. You can close your eyes. Relax your face. Take a big breath in. And then a clearing breath out. And then we do a counting breath. So we inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. And that's like my favorite. That's awesome. Just grounding. It is awesome. Yeah. And it's so simple. It's so simple. Yeah. And like, I, I would I will share that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes if I'm driving anywhere and I'm feeling, I'm not feeling super awesome. What I do these days is I just park and I just take five minutes of nap five minutes of breathing time you know and then it's the whole Mm -hmm. game changer it so is yeah and once we do that check-in my other favorite thing to do is like i can i can uh you mentioned journaling yeah i'm a journal junkie (laughs) um (laughs) i realize that i can shift my mindset in an instant with my journal so if i i just assess like what am i feeling right now Mm -hmm. And then how do I want to show up today? So like, what do I actually, how do I want to be in my way of being today? And what do I need to give up to get there? So sometimes I need to give up, I need to give up being frustrated with traffic right now in order to show up to this meeting as like my most badass boss self. I need to give up being frustrated in traffic. I need, that's what I need to give up right now. And then, um, and in order to show up how I want to show up. And so how am I feeling? Uh, How do I want to show up? And what can I give up to get there? And then also, like, what am I a yes for? So I practice Baptiste yoga. We talk a lot of times about, like, what are you a yes for? So if I want to show up to that meeting, I'm a yes for landing this client or creating a deeper connection with my client. I need to give up the fact that I'm frustrated in traffic in order to show up as my, like, most badass boss self. And Hmm. uh, so sometimes that takes me from the way I'm feeling right now 
to shifting into this entire different person by using mindfulness because I've checked in with myself. And um, so I you, love that. I do, mm-hmm. I do it in the I do it in the car all the time. You mentioned the car. I'm like, yeah. I do it in the car all the time. So <laughs> saying yes is great, but do you ever say no to things? Oh, of course. Well, saying yes to set to one thing means you say no to another. I love so, it. So, like, yeah, like you can't be a yes for two things all the day. Like, like, say, like if you're saying yes to one thing, it means you're saying no to something else. Do you consciously say no to things? Absolutely. especially to be a yes for myself. <laughs> so how do you so how how do you so if somebody if somebody is asking you for some request and how would you politely decline their request? So it mm-hmm. took me a really really long time. So I was the type of person that said yes all the time to everything and I burnt myself out. So now I um there's a couple different ways that I'll do it. One uh so say it's like everybody's going out and i really need to stay in for my own well-being and just check in with myself that evening i'll just say you know i need to have an evening at home i need to have an evening with myself um if it's something work related i'll say that you know that doesn't support you know i'm going to have to turn that down right now because it doesn't support um it doesn't support mm-hmm. what i'm a yes for over here so it doesn't support that i'm trying to achieve this goal over here or whatever it may be um and you say no it's not really fun. respectful of that it's not fun and um usually i find that the more direct we can be about it the more people don't care <laughs> i'll be i'll be sharing i'll be sharing this thing when i when i reached out to you i, I was very direct hey i would love to have you on my yeah. podcast yeah instead totally. of going I, round and round you know yeah absolutely when we when we have that clarity people respond to clarity and it took me a long time to realize that a really i'm still i'm still learning it on a daily basis that like yes. people respond to clarity um it's yeah it's it's a very powerful um place it's, to be in as a person it's not buttering somebody else hey listen this is what i want this is how i'm negotiating if you like it great if you do not like it that's fine i'm not taking it anything personally against you yeah actually i mean and that's mindfulness too is like we get to pause and realize that like it's not personal like 99.9% of the things that are happening to us that we get frustrated about are because we have in some way perceived it as personal when yeah. in actuality like you know, there's an entirely different story going on with the other person So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's mindfulness, right? We can check in and we can reframe it and go, "Oh wait, okay, what's actually going on here?" Um I have a really great example of that my sister one day, I don't even remember what it was about. I think it was like at about a concert or something, and I messaged her back with like a, a some specific emoji. And it was like a very direct like message mm-hmm. back that I gave her, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden she wrote me this like two paragraph summary on why I had like hurt her feelings <laughs> and I wrote back and I was like all I said was like we're going to be here at 10 o'clock or I don't even remember what it was uh-huh. but it was a very direct statement and she was like oh but you used this emoji and I was like I didn't even notice that it, it was just so funny because as she even said she was like I don't know why the whole story was like this <laughs> it was just from like and we do that especially with text messages like we read them how we want to hear yes. them 
And mindfulness is like checking in and going, maybe that's not actually what's going on. In this because we all, <laughs> we all have that story going on in our head. Totally. We are perceiving things. We all have different perspective. <laughs> all the time. We see, th- we see things through our own glasses, like yes. our own lens of our own life. And uh, that's mindfulness what, helps yeah. takes off, take and, off that lens. That's when Brené Brown talks about if we can learn to see situation through somebody else lens and we can oh, be empathetic you know we can be really yeah. empathetic toward others otherwise we are totally. seeing the reality through our own lens and if we can reframe the situation we can recreate new possibilities in our life we don't have to oh, live with the so same much. same yeah. pattern all the time we can always recreate because we are the author of our life we can do whatever we want to do with this life yes luck or grace or God, or whatever we call, it might play a small amount of, you know, percentage. But we but, have to show up for it, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, we have to, like, even if the universe or God or whoever whoever is your higher being, if you believe that they do have this space and, you know, the, the direction of your life, we still have to be the ones that step into that. We still have the control of stepping to match that vibration and that, that path for ourselves. Yes. Um, and we still get to create that. It's a co-creation um, in this life. And it, it's, yeah, which is a, a super powerful place to be in when you finally realize like, I, you know, I'm actually in creation of this yes. and, and I can step into my own power and, sure. and I, I like to talk a lot. This was a whole other topic but about mindfulness and manifestation and how we really like align with what we want through mindfulness yes so what are the bad recommendations do you see or feel in your mindfulness profession what was that say bad 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 recommendation oh bad recommendations Ooh. um good question what are the bad recommendations in this mindfulness space or industry Telling people that it's immediately like, like you're going to meditate once and it's going to feel great and your life is going to change. Um, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Nothing's that, nothing is that quick fix. Um, I think we, we, in the industry, mindfulness is such a buzzword of like a feel good thing. And it is, you feel amazing by yes. utilizing mindfulness. But like we said earlier, it's not easy all of a sudden observing your patterns. It's a process. It takes time, a lot of time. How you live. It is a process. So the bad, I wouldn't say it's bad. I don't like labeling things good and bad, but I'd say like the neglected conversation is that, is that um, your life is going to change in the one, three minutes that you do this. Like it's a practice. It's a practice. And that's what makes it, and and I think sometimes we're afraid that if we tell people that they have to do it consistently, that they're not going to do it. So why, like, let's not mention that part. Let's not mention that they have to do it every day or let's not, let's not mention that, um, you know, that it can, it can be hard sometimes. And I'm like, actually that's for me, that's the fun of it. Um, Mm -hmm. we as humans, we don't like, we like challenges and this is the exciting part of mindfulness is that I get to play with my practice. I get to figure out, you know what? I know I need, I know I need X amount of minutes a day in meditation. Cool. I don't have that in the morning today. Where else can I fit this in throughout my day? Yes. Like, and, and so I think the neglected conversation is that like, this can be fun and it can, 
and it's a fun challenge that can change your life. Yes. How many minutes of meditation do you pursue every day or whenever you do? Honestly, for me, it varies. Um, and, and, and I use a lot of different styles because I, I'm like all over the place sometimes with it. So I, I make sure to do like three minutes every morning, three to 10 minutes in the morning, I would say is mm-hmm. usually what I get in. Um, and then I kind of do it a couple times throughout the day. So I am not like a 30 minute meditator. Like mm-hmm. I will, I, I come clean. <laughs> I come clean. I come clean. Um, I'm not like a 30 minute meditator. I can. And it's actually for me, not the most powerful practice for me on a daily basis. For me, I like to have, um, small all throughout the day. Yeah. It's, that's what really helps support yeah, me. That is awesome. Is small chunks. So the do day. you have any yeah. favorite book on mindfulness space? Oh gosh. Um, that you have read the I most have, or you would like to give to somebody? I have lots of, um, of great books on mindfulness. Um, thinking fast and thinking slow. Hmm. Daniel Kahneman yeah, is pretty good. It's, it's a tough book. Thinking fast and slow. It is a little bit of a tough book. Yeah. That one's a little bit of a tough. Um, Really, actually, if you want, one of my favorite entry-level books mm-hmm. to, like, get into because it's really, it gets in, I've got a bunch of favorite ones for different things, actually. Uh, <laughs> the Untethered Soul is one of my big favorites. Huh. It's a very easy, easy read about observing outside yourself, observing yourself from outside yourself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. Um. Got it. And um, another one that I really like that has a little bit of a different take, and it's not about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's about manifestation, but you, she uses meditation and mindfulness to kind of check in is the universe has your back. Huh, who is that? I've heard that. Book. It's it's Gabby Bernstein. And it's oh, not a mindfulness book. Okay, Gabby it's Bernstein. Not, Got yeah, it. And so it's not a mindfulness book, which is surprising. But what I love about it, is that it actually forces you to check in. For me, it was very powerful in observing the patterns that I do out of fear and out of love. I got it. Well, here, I would like to give a sneak peek. Since we are talking about Gabby Bernstein, my podcast with coach of Gabby Bernstein is coming next month. Oh, with really? Roy, the coach of Gabby Bernstein. Very cool. Well, then I I let I I did an unknowing segue in for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. I did an unknowing segue. Oh yeah, and I actually just looked next to me. I have thinking fast and thinking slow right next to me. Actually, here, here. Um, that's a yeah, the Daniel Kahneman one. But it is yeah. that one's a little bit dense. But yeah, I love I for entry level folks into kind of showing up in your power and. The Universe Has Your Back and Gabby Bernstein books are great. Again, they're not mindfulness books, but they're really great for checking into how you're feeling and how you want to show up and using meditation as a, um, as a, as a tool in yep. that. Um, that's awesome. So I yeah, know, that's one way. Yeah, I know we are going a little longer here, but my, <laughs> my last, I would not say the last thing because we have, we have already talked about a lot of meditation and <laughs> mindfulness, but I want to touch upon your real work that you are doing in the world about mindfulness, these mindfulness practices you have been doing in your own life, but you have a whole career around it. You are teaching this mindfulness fun thing into the corporate world. So can you please touch on this mindful 
leadership, mindful, positive leadership, if I'm playing with the words correctly? Sure. Yeah. I, um, so I actually am finishing up my master's degree in positive leadership and strategy and transformation. So it's a, it's a master's degree that I got that takes mindfulness and positive psychology and it uh, puts it into businesses. And it says, here's how we actually use mindfulness for strategic thinking. Um, I talked a little bit about it when I talked about open awareness meditation and how we always have options. Um, mm -hmm. So the really cool thing about positive emotions and introducing positive emotions, which is like the loving kindness meditation, is they are the emotions most associated with broadening our awareness. Whereas, so have you ever met anybody that like they, they're kind of depressed and they can only see one way out? Every time. <laughs> Every time, all the time. That's yeah. exactly what happens. So negative emotions narrow our point of view and positive emotions broaden it. So the reason that it seems like positive things are always happening to positive people is because they can actually see all the positive options available to them. And, um, and so this is what I teach in companies and I teach it in different formats. Um, I teach to, I, we talk about, um, I've narrowed down my list of workshops that I do to the things that I really, really love to talk about. Um, so, in, so in your workshops, yeah. what do you, what do you teach and what do you talk about in your workshops? Are they, are oh, they in person yeah. online workshops? So right now we're doing mostly in person. Uh, so there's two components of my company. There's the in-person workshops, um, which I absolutely love to do. One of my favorite ones that we do is, um, mindful listening and mindful listening, um, mindful listening specifically around like using it for diversity and inclusion. And how we create biases and how we create, um, how we, I, I don't want to give too much away, but like how we create mm -hmm. through language as well. So through listening through our own language, how we create people and how we create ourselves through speaking. So it's mindful communication in mindful listening and mindful speaking. So there are three and components of that. What was that? There are three components of mindfulness. One is listening, second is communication, and third is... Well, it's all under the communication okay. heading and then it's mindful listening and mindful speaking. Okay. And um, it's really great for diversity and inclusion because we, we listen and we speak with so many um, unconscious bias and by checking in and kind of observing ourselves, we can really start to remove some of our bias. And so it's a really great conversation for diversity and inclusion and just in general for team building. It's a phenomenal one. Uh, to talk about for just in general team building. And yeah. I have some really, I have some really fun exercises uh, that we do uh, around that. Would you, would you mind well. share, would you mind sharing some nuggets on those exercises? Yeah. So we do, um, we do some really fun, like speaking exercises of uh, it's, it's hard unless you do them, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, speaking exercises where like all of a sudden the people realize that they're, as they're speaking, they keep trying to, think of what they're going to say next um, versus actually listening. So we, we do some exercises where we start to kind of tone down that, like thinking of what to say next by I sh start shifting a lot of the questions around and mm -hmm. um, kind of not allowing people to know what's going to happen next so that they actually have to get really clear in their listening because I may not ask the same question that I just asked that person. So like, I'll ask one person a question and while they're answering, the other person is thinking about what their answer to the question would be. Ah, that is super interesting. Yep. It happens and all the so, time. It happens all the time. So instead of giving that same question next, unbeknownst to them, I change up all the questions 
and uh, and then they have to repeat back the original person's answers from the beginning. So, and we do that. We do work that through a couple times until they can see what it actually feels like to be in like pure listening. Yep, you got um, it. And you have which is really fun. And your company provides one-on-one coaching as well. Yeah, we do one. I do one-on-one coaching with um like with executives or and around mindful okay. leadership. Um, it's executives or any type of management position. Um, really understanding how to work within their teams doing, uh, like for instance, uh, sales managers are great, uh, are great to work with because they're dealing with a lot of emotions (laughs) and a lot of big personalities, usually in sales. And we're dealing with a lot of like different types of goal setting. Um, and so we really come at it from a different positive angle and, um, and I'm able to kind of coach them through, what it looks like when their different team members are in reaction and working with yep. one another and co-working and yeah. So sales uh, is a really great yeah. I would like to throw a portion of that. Hypothetical scenario over here. If I'm your yeah. client, one-on-one client, you know, and you are coaching me through and it is my first session with you, what specific questions would you ask me to start the conversation? And I'm like, I'm burnout, I'm stressed, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do. So what specific questions would you ask me? Oh, so that's really funny. So one of the first things I would ask you is actually, um, I would have you make a list of all the tasks that you actually enjoy doing in your job. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that like a lot of people through writing down the things that they like about their job, like the tasks specifically. So I don't ask, what do you like about your job? I ask you, what tasks do you mm. enjoy doing? Is it like being grateful for what you have? Or when you're no, feeling it's depressed. not being great. It's actually not being grateful for what you have. What we start realizing is that there are these tasks throughout the day that we actually really enjoy. So there's two different parts to this. One, we actually see we one we actually get to see what tasks you enjoy and what you don't enjoy, mm-hmm. and and get really clear on those things. And we can strategically place them throughout the day to stack your positivity. So we can really start to look at how we prioritize tasks throughout the day to keep positive emotions building throughout the day. But what actually the, uh, the second part to it that's really cool is that when they start to see all the things that all the tasks that they actually enjoy doing throughout the day, you start to see that it's not the job that you dislike. It's usually something else outside of the job that's creating this tension in the burnout in it. So it's not actually the tasks of the job you no longer, you dislike. Maybe it's, I just like that there's tension between me and this coworker. So then we can really start to like pinpoint in on what exactly is conflict resolution. It's not, yeah, maybe, it is, it's, yeah. maybe it's that, maybe it's that we actually get to figure out where, where the disconnect is coming from. Yeah. So typically it's not in the actual tasks of the job itself. Yes. They, it's there's typically so much always in. in something else surrounding it. So uh, by getting really clear on what we, by seeing like, oh, I actually really enjoy all these things I'm doing. So where is it that all these other things are creeping something in? Something inner, creating, yeah. It's like yeah, outer, outer world is perfect, things. but inner, in something going on internally. Yeah. You know, maybe we didn't, maybe that person or if I'm your client, Maybe I didn't I didn't sleep well. I I had a something something is going on in my personal life, and I'm not able to bring positive emotions into my work, even though I love all the aspects of my exactly. job. Exactly. There's yeah, so many by things. Getting, by getting clear, and then if they say like, 
if they really can't pinpoint any single task that they love in their job, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's an entirely different conversation. So this whole mindfulness, <laughs> wellness and well-being, it is not just outer world. It is a balance between inner being and outer being. And if we are not performing so well in our job, it doesn't mean that we are hitting a job or there is so much we may not like. We may love our work, but we may not totally. like our boss or we may not be going well with our co-worker. There is some conflict going on and we all go through that. I have been through all these situations yeah. where I didn't like my boss or I, I had a you know, I had some conflict with my coworker. Then if we have all these mindfulness tools, if we are aware of our own emotions and feelings, we can do something about it. There is nothing wrong with that, but we get to do something about it and not live with that emotion throughout our day because our work takes one third of our day. Totally. You know, you, know, you actually, hours. you said my favorite word is I get to do something about it. And that's the exciting part. That's the part that makes it fun is not, I have to do something about it. I need to do something. I should do something about it. It's like, I get to. We are making like, a how choice cool here. is that? Yeah. Like I have the opportunity. I get to do something about this. And, um, and that, that's like one of my favorite phrases actually is going, oh, I get to do this. Like this it's is an language. option for me. Yeah. It's a languaging around it. And you, you touched on it and on, I like how you actually like drew it back to what I was talking about in the beginning. You may love every, you may actually love everything about your job. You know, I loved my job. I, I will not ever say that I did not like my job that I was doing in oil and gas. I loved my job. I loved my bosses. I loved that. What I didn't love was that I was running myself into the ground. Yeah. And it's and, always a transition yeah, process. We exactly. are always transitioning from one thing to another, podcasting, the writing blogs, doing every crazy thing on the social media. This is what I enjoy. <laughs> I'm passionate about. Yeah. And what I'm learning is this is all integration. Work totally. is not different. It's all one life. Work, job, sleep, mindfulness, well-being, meditation. It's all our job or our intention is to, you know, integrate everything and create a bigger outcome for our life and for everybody around us. If we are healing ourselves, if we are feeling positive, we are creating positivity. We are spreading that positivity and we are spreading healing power around us so that everybody can feel positive and do something bigger than totally. themselves you touched on exactly what is coming next in my company I have an integrated online tool that is going into beta testing in the next month or so so um, it's a way of making integration and social impact with mindfulness fun yeah, in integrating it into awesome. daily life so yeah so stay tuned you, you hit right on it yeah and this has been <laughs> an amazing conversation and before we end this my last question to you is what is the impact you want to have on this world oh man i you know through basically through presence and like exuberate like exuberant fun <laughs> i, I want to educate and empower people to transform their own energy like, I just, I think that that's like the, that's what can change the world is letting everyone know that, uh, that they can actually have the power to transform themselves. Yes. Yeah. We all Their have the power. Energy. Yeah. And we the... all have the power to transform our own energy and 
that energy reflects to somebody else to transform and match in a high vibe, energetic way. Like everybody gets to really, um, you know, empower themselves and, and we, lead from that place. Yes, and we get to be mindful about our own power that we can create something from nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Heart, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank. To everybody out there, thank you for listening. And you can subscribe to my show, The Nishant Garg Show, to get updates on future guests. So thank you again. Thank you.